Farazhenia with the ball in. Osiman and still! It's then two again. Farazhenia the provider and Osiman with one of the goals of the season. Hello and welcome to Serie A Spotlight Season 2, Episode 23. We're your hosts Matt and Jake, ready to run you guys through Match Day 20, along with all the banging goals that we're blessed to witness. Yes, there were many a great strike this match day, bro. Our number one was, of course, Victor Oziman's opener against Roma, where his time playing Germany's as a kid came to good <laughs> use. Um, we picked that goal particularly because of the the stage as well, like the yeah. audacity to attempt, you know, chest mm. control, juggle, shot. Yeah, and a big game like that. A very know, unique a... and iconic strike. He has a habit of doing that against Roma. We saw the one he had in the earlier fixture against them at the yeah. Olympico. That was a masterclass as well. Too true, bro. There are also goals by Ras van Maren. He had a he had an incredible strike that could have made top spot very easily without yeah. a doubt. Um, Origi had a good goal and the. Yeah. And the okay. thrashing that Milan got against Sassuolo. Nico Gonzalez had an amazing goal. Danny Mota had an amazing Madonna. goal. Lookman's goal was amazing. And of course, Bulaye Dia had a fantastic strike as well against Lecce. Honestly, guys, if you haven't seen those goals, head over to YouTube and check them out. Because my, oh my, we were blessed this weekend. Absolutely blessed. And I could watch them all, all day. True, bro. Um, we put a bet. Yeah, of course. Um, we did. And if you saw our Instagram post, I'd say a spotlight. Um, <laughs> this was my idea. This one we were we were arguing, and had we listened to Matthew, would have won the bet. Yeah, I don't want to say much because we've lost before because of me. Yes, <laughs> while we're having arguments, but now it has to be said, bro. I'm gonna leave the next bet to you. Huh? Your suggestion is gonna be priority right now because I feel like. You deserve it now. You deserve it. Thank, you. Thank um, you. I basically suggested putting under... Th- well, I pushed. <laughs> yeah. I pushed for under three goals in the Empoli-Torino game as well as an Inter win against Cremonese. Now Inter beat Cremonese, okay, despite going down 1-0 to an early Okereke wonder goal. Also another candidate for goal yeah. of the week. <laughs> um, and oh Empoli- my God. We yeah, we forgot to mention that. Yeah. Um, Empoli-Torino was a banger of a game. It turned out that two sides who... One side that never scores Empoli. They never score more than one goal Yeah, Empoli. You know, two goals maximum. Mm. And Torino don't have a striker. Exactly. You Torino know? are in the exact same ship as Empoli. Exactly. Um, and that, there, there could have been five, six goals easily in this game. Yeah, towards the end, it's true, especially um, when Torino started picking up and yeah. started bringing on their big boys. Um, they could mm-hmm. have totally destroyed them. In case you're wondering, guys, my suggestion was to do Verona draw or win against Udinese. And the odds for that were fantastic, obviously, with Verona being away from home and Udinese being so good on their day. It was a bit of a risky one, but... You I also, had a good feeling, man. You also suggested, if, I don't, if I'm not mistaken, the Lazio... Fiorentina game. Lazio, oh, I said Lazio draw Lazio or win. win or draw, yeah. Yeah. But uh, I think the odds weren't that good, right? Am I am I But along with the Inter win, they were excellent. They were a bit a bit worse than the bet that we placed, but not by much, man. Not by much. Guys, um by the way, new thing that we're doing. If you are a listener of the podcast, follow us on Instagram and DM us with the words close friends and we will add you to our close friends stories where we'll be posting behind the scenes content of our podcast yeah for you on yeah. our instagram stories it'll give you a bit of more a bit more 
of a, a bit more insight as to who we are, what we're yeah. like when we're not talking about football. We want yeah. to do this more on our normal stories as well on Instagram. However, we will save the close friend stories for the slightly naughtier yes. content where you get to see us in our in our element, essentially. Exactly. So this is our only fans. This is essentially our only fans. This is our free Patreon for you guys. There we go. A bit of behind the scenes of the podcast. We're an incredibly low budget podcast. So you get to see how simple the arrangement is and how easy and how all of you could do it essentially. So that would be quite cool. Low budget. That's because you don't know how much the fucking soffit in the studio game, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's something that's happening, by the way, guys. Jake Jake is moving out. He, He bought a place and we have a studio in there so mm-hmm. that'll, that'll up our quality a little yeah. bit and our content it's gonna be cool it's gonna be a yeah. whole room dedicated to just Serie stuff there are gonna oh, be kids man. everywhere Sarah's gonna hate it Sarah's gonna hate that room how long until you have sex in that room uh, <laughs> what do you mean how long bro <laughs> 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 Congratulations. Anyway, uh, yes, follow us at Serious Spotlight on TikTok, on Instagram, on Twitter, anywhere you get podcasts, um, give us a rating. Yeah. It helps a lot, guys. Yeah. So before we get into the games, essentially reading out all the games, I did want to point out that match day 20 was a little bit different because Serie A started testing the semi-automated offside technology that was used in the World Cup. Um, this has optical tracking cameras from Hawkeye Views and Hawkeye Innovations for precise player positioning, essentially. Now, this normally does come with a tracking sensor on the ball or inside the ball, not too sure how it works. That hasn't been introduced yet, but it will be introduced as of 2023. Um, well, sometime, sometime this year, it'll probably be be introduced. Now, as a result of this, you'll see that there are a lot of close offside calls this week, but it also um, guarantees consistency. It's the finest of margins, but it's the only way they can be consistent. I'm not against it. Why not? Neither I am I. Offside is one of those things that's either black or white, mm-hmm. you know? Um, there's no subjectivity to it. So this is good. Yeah. Yeah. So let's get into match day 20 a little bit, guys. So we're going to start off with Napoli 2, Roma 1. Napoli have increased the gap at the top of the table to 13 points. Roma still battling for top four. Milan 2, Sassuolo 5. Milan winless in five games. Now they conceded two against Lecce, three against Inter, four against Lazio, and now five against Sassuolo. Lazio coming off a 4-0 victory against Milan were then held at home 1-1 against Fiorentina. Inter travelled to Cremonese and came out the victors, winning 2-1 and heading up to second. The mid-table battle between Juve and Monza ended in a Monza victory 2-0 away from home at the Allianz. Impressive stuff there by Monza. Disappointing stuff, obviously, for Juve. Atalanta dismantled Sampdoria with the score of 2-0. Udinese 1, Verona 1. Bologna, no surprise there as they beat Spezia 2 goals to nil. It was a thriller between Empoli and Torino as it ended 2-2. Torino coming back from behind and almost finding a winner late on as well. And then in the relegation battle, it was Lecce 1, Salernitana 2. A victory for Davide Nicola on his return. What a week, what a week, what a week, brother. It was mental, bro. These games were amazing to watch. The goals were superb. What a week of football. Yeah. What a weekend of football. Blessed. B to the L to the E to the S to the S to the E to the D. 
So we, off we go to the Diego Armando Maradona Stadium for Napoli 2, Roma 1, where Napoli lined up with a 4-3-3 formation with Meret in goal, Mario Rui on the left, Di Lorenzo on the right, Minjay Kim and Rahmani as a centre-back duo, with Zielinski, Lobotka and Angusa in the middle, Gvartskelia on the left, Lozano on the right and Ozymen up front. Like, get an injury, you know what yeah, I mean? Exactly, like, full team every week. My God. But even when they're not, one of the strongest points in their unity, the of fact course, that they can rely on the... They had Ozymen out for so yeah. long, I'm just here chatting shit. Yeah. <laughs> so, 3-4-2-1 for Jose Mourinho's Roma with Rui Patricio in goal. Um, if you can prove that to me <laughs> I don't see the guy pulling off saves not to be honest with you if ever like it's interesting man it is it's very interesting. interesting I think they could do with a better goalie but anyway Agreed. Mancini Smalling and Ibanez were at the back with Zalewski on the right Spinazzola on the left Matic and Cristante in the middle with Dybala and Pellegrini playing behind the on-form Tammy Abraham he's playing yeah. quite well so it was started in the 11th minute. It was almost a disastrous start for Napoli as Kim and Meret failed to communicate efficiently and both went for a loose aerial ball and ended up with Kim heading past his own goalkeeper only to brush outside the post. Would have been a totally different game had that happened, man. True. Um, with the way Mourinho's teams sit back after getting an early lead. Exactly. That could have been, that could have been it. In the 16th minute, Gvaratskelia crossed the ball into Ozyman. Um, he was played through amazingly by Mario Rui over here. Ozyman chested the ball, knocked it up with his thigh and volleyed into the roof of the net from close range. One of the goals of the season, our goal of the week for sure. Um, you know, rips off his mask, adrenaline and everyone at the Maradona is going mental. What a goal, yeah. what a goal, what a goal. These guys are fucking cruising at this point, bro. Yeah, it goes back to our point of everything they try Every audacious attempt that they go for, they pull it off and it could be their form. Um, but I think it is a very positive mindset that they have in the camp that allows them to express themselves in this manner, man. So true, bro. 74th minute, Roma got one back. Zalewski's cross to the far post was met by El Sharawi, who knocked the ball in with the outside of his extended boot 1-1. Rolling back the ears, El Sharawi, for his third goal of the Serie A campaign. Yep. In the 85th minute, um, Napoli got a late winner. Simeone received the ball just inside the area with his back towards goal. He controlled the ball on the turn with his right and fired into the top corner with his left. Another important goal for the impact sub 2-1 Napoli. And the game ended there. Um, the best thing about the Simeone goal, bro, the most underrated thing, was how he destroyed Smalling simply with a hand gesture. Mm. He pointed... To in the opposite direction where he received the pass, sending mm -hmm. Smalling running to cover that channel. Zelensky played him the ball and he had a little bit of space because of it. He turned around, shot and just beat, yeah. beat the yeah. goalkeeper. Like it was amazing. What a goal. What a yeah, goal. it was uh, one second he has his back towards goal. Literally a second later, the ball is in the back of the net and it flies into the top corner. Um, Rui Patricio had impeded vision because of smalling. Uh, but, but the way he just turned with one leg, shot with the other, in the matter of a second, it was a gorgeous strike. And Simeone is good at doing this. He's a very good player to bring on when you need a goal. And he's also a very good player to bring on when you need, when you can't concede a goal, when you're holding possession. True. The Giallo Rossi, bro, this game um, came out with their heads held high. Mm. Jose Mourinho was applauding them. He even made them take a team photo after the game. I don't know if you saw that. Mm -hmm. Mourinho has his fist clenched, 
like he's proud of the performance, but the players around him look totally demotivated and demoralized because of the late winner. Yeah. It's a hilarious photo. I think it's Volpato in the photo yeah. that looks like he's crying. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's, it's everyone, bro. Everyone looks miserable. It's, mm. it's quite the picture. They, they got close, bro. They scored in the 74th. They would yeah. have thought by Roma standards that they'll be able to hold on for those 16 minutes until the final whistle. Yeah, they played to Napoli's level. You know, Napoli, granted, dominated the possession as they mm. usually do. They had 57 percent but then you look at the shots it was 11 11 mm. and then shots on target Napoli had six Roma had three Roma played with a high line they were pressing they were compact they were really good this game mm-hmm. um, but Napoli of course too much to handle with their mentality at the moment and their confidence they just have this self-belief and they have so many different avenues that goals can come from they, they seem unplayable at the moment one of the top teams in Europe and they can really do some damage in the Champions League as well in my opinion I can't wait to see them in the Champions League man I think for Serie A standards um, they're very very fast Mm. they're very fast especially in their transitional play and even as individuals I mean having Chucky Lozano or Politano on one side Guevara on the other and Ossida on the middle those are very fast players Um, but aside from that it's just the way they shift as a team every shift that they make you see the 11 players on the pitch shifting with the flow of the ball whether they're on the ball or whether they're off the ball and from defence into attack with the fluidity of that midfield tree of Zielinski Lobotka and Anguissa Anguissa is just getting more fluid as time goes by Mm. when he started out with Napoli he was probably there slowest player in transition but now literally he's one of the more efficient ones man the way defense turns into attack for this Napoli team and the way it goes to the wings the way it can go down the middle and the damage each one of those front three could do by themselves is ridiculous Napoli absolutely unplayable Roma did well as well as they could have I think they It's interesting because they didn't take a very similar approach to what Inter did when they handed Napoli their only loss of this campaign. Inter were slightly more conservative, they were slightly more defensive, they played on the low block and every time one of their front three got the ball, they had a sea of defenders ahead of them and they couldn't do anything. Roma pressed a bit higher. Roma were a bit more proactive. Roma were trying to put pressure on Napoli, which did allow Napoli to showcase their speed and to break into the spaces. They forced a couple of errors from Napoli as well. They did. Had they taken them better, you know, it could have been a different story. They did put them under pressure a couple of times. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I mean... Napoli did a fantastic job in nullifying Dybala, Pellegrini and Abraham. Mm. You know, um, the best avenue of attack for Rome, I think, came through Zalewski this game. Agreed. Um, And for me, of course, just I can't highlight a single poor performance from a Napoli player, bro. I mean, how can you, man? Seems to be the case this season. They're just, they're all pulling their weight. And you look at players who historically, from my time watching Serie A, have been a bit of a meme. Mm. Like Mario Rui. Yeah. Used to be a meme. He was a joke. People used to make fun of him all the time. Mm-hmm. Di Lorenzo used to be compared to like, you know, there, there was a whole debate of is Calabria better than Di Lorenzo? And nowadays, it's not even it's a debate. comparable. Yeah, everyone just stepped up. Spalletti came and gave everyone the confidence that they needed. It's, it's going really well for Napoli right now. Yeah, man, I think I think they have reached their final form, Napoli. I don't see Napoli getting any better than they are now. If they get any better than they are now, the whole world is in trouble, man. Yeah. The and, entire world. And you see De Laurentiis in traffic at the end of the game just getting 
barraged by fans, you know, and he's all hyped in the car as well. It's, 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 you have to love it, man. You have to love it. You can't not. You have to love it. Yeah. This is a team, guys, that have been struggling. Um, but so before the Maradona days, obviously, we all know what Maradona went in and, and did at Napoli, uh, winning Scudettos with virtually, you know, uh, an okay team. Mm-hmm. He single handedly carried the team to Scudetto glory. And ever since then, they haven't won that. Um, they were a team that had played in Serie C. Then they got promoted to Serie B under De Laurentiis. Then De Laurentiis took them to A. And then they became a Europa League team. And then they were that iconic team with Hamsik, Levetsi, Cavani, so on and so forth. And here we are today. They're almost a consistent Champions League team and consistent contenders for, for the Scudetto. They were contenders last year as well. And all this after being heavily criticised after their Mercato. Everyone's mm. saying that they weakened, that they got to the top players in every department. Insignia up front left, um, Fabian Ruiz in the middle left, Koulibaly at the back left. You know, all these star players from each position and suddenly they're much better. Like, wow. And to think the amount they spent on these players. You very could, good business. You could go so far to say that they improved in every position. The only kind of question mark would be Koulibaly to Minjay. Um, but you look at Koulibaly's performances nowadays at Chelsea and you see Minjay's performances nowadays at Napoli. You know, you, you can't help but think that Napoli got the upper hand with here and also some young blood into the team. Their scouting is is ridiculous, man. Speaking of Roma, they just conceded a penalty against Cremonese and the Coppa. And yeah. Rui Patricio got a yellow. And Dessers is now stepping up to take the penalty. I just wanted to, <laughs> to point that out. That's crazy. Cremonese seemed to be um, a one-trick pony and their one-trick being a knockout competition god of it. <laughs> but, but anyway, um, speaking of the Coppa Italia, um, Inter knocked out Atalanta with a score of 1-0 goal coming through Darmian. He played as a centre-back, man. He played as a centre-back and had one of the games of his life. Mm. Fiorentina knocked out Torino with a score of 2-1. Um, Jovic and Icone scoring for Fiorentina and a late goal through Karamoch for Torino. Yeah. So yeah, the Coppa Italia is my fun. <clears throat> Very fun. Tomorrow we're going to watch Lazio Juve, which is going to be another exciting one. And we'll keep you guys updated on Roma Cremonese. Yes. Napoli are currently first with 53 points, 13 points clear of Inter. Their dominance um, can be... um, it can be seen as a result, it's true, of their positive performances, but it must be said that the teams, their competition has not been too standard this season. Mm-hmm. Milan, Inter, you know, not, not up to standard. Um, Juventus, of course, weren't up to standard and then got docked 15 points. Yeah. Um, so nowadays it's just second to sixth is where the action is. Exactly. You know? um, and you get to see Roma, who, current, who are currently in sixth with 37 points trying to climb their way into the Champions League spot. And you'd have to be foolish to write Mourinho out of this one. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Although they did just concede the penalty. Dessers fires it into the top corner. And for some reason, he's just gotten a yellow card, probably for over-celebrating and for causing a bit of a stir. But anyway... Mancini got one too, obviously. Yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> this is Serie A spotlight, not the Coppa spotlight. So we will move on to the next match that we're going to be covering. Quite an emotional one. Milan 2, Sassuolo 5 at the San Siro. Third place, well, at the time, third place Milan against 17th place Sassuolo. Things are a little bit different now. So Milan started in a 4-2-3-1 formation. 
as if they don't learn. Tatarusanu in goal and the back line of Theo Hernandez, Gabia, Kalulu and Calabria. A double pivot of Tonali and Rade Krunic. Rebic out on the left, Salamakers out on the right. The Keitelare in the middle with Giroud up front. For Sassuolo, it was also a 4-2-3-1. Consigli back and in goal. A back line of Rogerio, Ehrlich, Ruan and Marquitza. It was a double pivot of Frattesi and Obiang. Berardi out on the right, Lauriente out on the left, Traor in the attacking midfield role with Defrel up front. Now, Milan thought they got off to a flying start after Giroud put the ball into the back of the net with a karate kick after Teo's cross, but the Frenchman's shoulder was marginally offside. When I say marginally, I say it was very, very, very close. The goal was initially given, Giroud did the whole celebration, Teo did the whole celebration. But it was ruled offside, so the score remained nil-nil. Moments later, in the 18th, Sassuolo had their first attack. And obviously, that did lead to the first goal of the game. It was Defrel that scored. Berardi's cross shot was tapped in by Defrel after some miserable Milan defending. Theo was nowhere to be seen and Kalulu was running out of position to stop the cross, leaving Defrel totally unmarked. Three minutes later, Sassuolo had their second attack of the match and Frattesi scored this time. It was more miserable defending by Milan as Mimmo played the ball to Frattesi, who rounded Gabbia and finished into Tata's near post, making it 2-0. Two minutes later, this time it was Milan who scored and this time it stood. It was Calabria's cross that was headed in magnificently by the leaping Giroud, leaving Consigli totally static, bringing one back for Milan. Seven minutes later, Traoré's corner to the near post was headed in by Berardi, who was in a sea of red shirts. I don't know how he managed to get his head to that. The header was central and it went in as though it was an open goal. To be honest, Tata was there, but he wasn't. There were two rows of Milan players between Berardi and Tata Rosano. I don't know how that goes in, but anyway, we'll get into it. Yeah, it was 3-1 heading into halftime. Purely gave them the chat of their lives. Come on, guys, we need to fucking go out there and show them something. <laughs> Two minutes later, after the restart, Sassuolo were awarded a penalty after the Oriente. Totally, totally beat Calabria in a foot race. Um, and Calabria ended up dropping him in the box after a, a, a few pulls and shoves turned into an entanglement. Tata guessed right, but Laurenta's penalty was well placed into the bottom corner. 4-1 Sassuolo. In the 55th minute, what seemed to be a legitimate volleyed goal by Rebic was disallowed by the referee after the Croatian was found to be in an offside position. However, it was Obiang that played him through, but the goal still didn't stand as Rebic was offside before Obiang made contact with the ball. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. They're two different phases of play. They're completely two different phases yeah. of play. It's a, v- it's a bad back pass. One. Honestly, if it weren't for the nature of the loss, this would have been very, a very frustrating one. But the yeah. fact that Milan conceded five goals, fuck it. You know? If a defender turns around and passes it to a striker who's in an offside position, it doesn't fucking matter where the defender got it from. I, I don't get how that was disallowed. It's more just confusing than yes. it is annoying because the game was... Well and truly done at that point, but but yeah, I just I just really want to know. <laughs> yeah, then VAR looked at it. Yeah, uh, for a while, and then they decided that it was meant to be called off. But anyway, whatever. Yeah. whatever. Seventy eighth minute, 
Henrique scored for Sassuolo. He placed the ball into the bottom corner from just inside the area after Theo was dispossessed by Berardi in a dangerous area. Very silly play by one of the best left backs in the world. It's Sassuolo 5, Milan 1 at that time. In the 80th minute, a sensual curling strike from outside the area flew in off the crossbar to contribute to Divock Origi's highlight reel, making it Milan to Sassuolo 5. At that point, Jake and I, after the Origi goal, just looked at each other and burst out laughing. In halftime, we were saying, imagine it's just one of those where we get a mad comeback. Origi comes on and scores as he breaks out and he becomes a great striker this Serie A season. And we're getting a little bit romantic. We're getting a little bit hopeful. <laughs> They made it 5-1, and then he did it in the 80th minute. So it was just like, ah, cheers, Divock. Really? Here we go with the comebacks on. Yeah. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks a lot. Best thing since Istanbul, right? Yeah. Comebacks. Yeah. But anyway, man. Where do we start? Where I'm going to start? start off by berating Theo Hernandez. Okay. Um, okay. Pathetic, huh? A horrible performance. Pathetic. Like, a horrible performance. It has to be said, everyone was shit, but fucking hell Theo Hernandez was not only was he shit he was fucking lazy bro terrible lazy lazy not tracking back not pressing one of the best things about Theo Hernandez now people say he's not defensively sound Mm. which isn't true he's okay defensively he's not one of the best defensive players in the world but he's good defensively Mm -hmm. the best quality he has is when he loses the ball or when he's dribbled his recovery speed is top notch yeah he can get back to it and challenge the defender mm-hmm. again. This game, he didn't do that at all. Every time he lost the ball, he jogged back, forcing Kalulu, Tonali to run back, like out of position, just putting his teammates under a lot of stress and a lot of pressure while he seemed to not give a fuck about anything. And this is a guy who's just extended his contract with Milan, um, playing like this, very worrying, very yeah. worrying stuff. And his task in this match day would be, we all know about Berardi's history against Milan. Berardi is mm. a fantastic player. He's a world-class player. Against Milan, whenever he plays Milan, he falls under legendary status. Yeah. He's, a, he's a fucking monster against Milan. Theo would have had one job. Neutralize. Keep him quiet. Neutralize him. Yeah. The guy got a goal and three assists, man. <laughs> a goal and three assists. Yeah. You see their player ratings. Berardi on a nine. Theo on a five. Yeah, and the five is generous, huh? A five is very generous, man. I I would say that um, it says that obviously there's one mistake leading to a goal for Theo, but I would say that the um, the first goal, the first goal in the 18th minute by the Frel, that was Theo's fault as well. It came down his side and he wasn't there. Yeah. That's why... Berardi was calling for it, screaming for it, and he was just watching him mm. jogging in the opposite direction. Was, that, that's why Kalulu came across yeah. to try to stop the cross, because Gabia couldn't, because he, he was flat-footed, he's not quick enough. Kalulu had to come across, he left the frel exposed, Calabria's, I don't know, not, not there. And yeah, they made it 1-0. And I would say that Teo had... Theo and Tata were the worst players on the pitch. Yes. By a landslide. Tatarzano, of course, is not too standard for a goalkeeper. How many how many mistakes do you think? Not how many mistakes. How how many of the five goals do you think Tata could have kept out or another goalkeeper would have kept out? It's hard to say. I mean, the goals he concedes aren't obvious mistakes. You know, they're just 
Weak. Weak, man. Weak goalkeeping. He doesn't con- command his area. He doesn't come out in time. I don't know how many would be his fault specifically. To be honest, I've repressed half the goals. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yes, I wouldn't solely put the blame on Tata Rosano, you know? I mean, looking at the way Theo Hernandez played, that's way more concerning than the way Tata Rosano has been playing. Mm-hmm. Um, there is an interesting stat, though. Um, let me find it very quickly. Is it how many goals were scored out of the shots on target? Yes, you have it. So, yeah, it was t- Milan have conceded 12 goals from the last 15 shots on target. There we go. There we go. So, that is, you know, concerning. Incredibly the concerning. The fact that Milan have brought in a 25 year old goalkeeper from the Chilean, Chilean league, I believe, um, mm. Vasquez, um, and purely saying he's not match ready yet. Like, why do we sign him? You know, why, why do Milan why, sign him if he's a 25-year-old goalkeeper why from Chile fu- if he's not ready to play? What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? You have a goalkeeper that's letting in every shot that comes his way. He only makes a save if it's right at him and he still falls to the ground and fumbles it. His eyesight is, for a fact, horrible. He can't do shit. He can't control his box. He can't control the line of defense. Man, just bring in a goalkeeper. We're seeing Cranio, I don't know, rotting on the bench for Monza. Put in a bid for him, yeah, literally. for example. Literally. Fucking, I'd take Peperina at this point, bro. <laughs> Honestly, I might take any starting goalkeeper in Italy for sure. Mm. And most of the second goalkeepers ahead of him as well. I'm going to go ahead. How bad is Mirante? Obviously, isn't even being considered. Man, but he's, he's another one. I'm going to go ahead and say, out of the starting goalkeepers in, in Italy... Tatarasano is number 20. He's the worst one. Out of all the starting goalkeepers in Italy, Tatarasano is the worst one. Yes, you're definitely right there. It's a shame. Um, Sassuolo hadn't won a game since mid-October, bro. Um, In all their games since then, they hadn't scored more than one goal. This game against Milan, they scored five. Milan are on a five-game winless streak. Now, history seems to be repeating itself for Milan, bro. In 1998-1999, Milan mm. won a shock Scudetto with a manager who had never won it before um, in Alberto Zaccheroni and then suffered disappointing seasons thereafter. Do you think this is going to be the case or do you think that um, this is merely a negative spell and Milan will bounce back? It's interesting because we do see Milan going through negative spells. We've seen it under Pioli when they won the league and the season before when they got Champions League and finished second. We do see these spells. Thing is, we've never seen one as embarrassing. We've seen one with the same number of losses, the same number of draws. We've seen that. And we've seen Milan recover from that. But to concede how many goals in the last three games? Was it 13? It was 3, 4 and 5, 12. That's 12 goals conceded in the last three games. They can't pass the ball. They can't attack. They can't defend. They can't defend. And this is the worst Milan side. They were better under Gattuso than the Milan right this second within this run of form. I I think it's... Judging by how history has played out for Milan, they can bounce back from it. And it's not the time. I like that the Curva are still singing for the fans. They're still singing Pioli's on fire. They deserve the support for what Milan gave the fans last year. Obviously, it's a mutualistic relationship, but Milan should stick behind the players, stick behind the fans. The pressure should be made on the big men 
who fail to give Maldini and Co the right investments. Yes. That's where the blame is. For sure. I mean, Nesta said it recently. He said that Milan should have st- focused the summer on strengthening the bench and splashing on a striker. Mm. That, that was the way to do it. Um, but yes, bro, regarding your point about the Curva singing, um, fine. The game against Salernitana, the game against Roma, you sing. The 3-0 against Inter, you sing, sure. Salernitana, uh, Milan won 3-1 in that game, no? Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I meant the lecture game. Mm. Um you concede four goals to Lazio, you sing, whatever, okay, incredible fans. You lose to Sassuolo, 5-2. They put five past you. They hadn't scored more than one goal a game since October. They hadn't won a game since October. I think it's about time you start booing these guys. You know, um, I'm all for supporting the team, but there needs to be a time where you show your displeasure to them. 80,000 people show up to the stadium. And you play like that. You don't even track back. You know what I mean? You boo them. You boo the guys, you put some pressure on them. It can't be. How long are you going to keep singing for? You know, at this point, it's just like, yeah, keep wasting my time. Woo. I love you. You love me. (laughs) Shut the fuck up. I I get where you're coming from 100%. Like if... Like, like clearly that's not motivating the players No not at all And it's actually making them complacent They're like I can We can fucking lose five to this as well And they'll still love us Yeah It's like a It's like marrying a woman Who still loves you If you cheat on her Yeah You're just gonna go out And cheat on her all the time What the fuck do you yeah. have to lose You know Yeah uh, And now, now for Milan is the game against Inter But but what what Do you think it's solely down to that Do you think it is that Milan are demotivated, demoralized. It seemed to have started from that Roma game where Milan dominated 80 minutes of that game. Then they slipped up and it seems like ever since then, everything's gone to shit. Yes, Knocked out a... of the Coppa against Torino, losing 3-0 in the Super Cup final against Inter, losing 4-0 to Lazio, losing fucking 5-2 against 16th place Sassuolo. Sassuolo, we've been fucking talking shit. Uh, about them for 23 episodes we've been talking shit about them how can they score five in the San Siro 70,000 fans in attendance they score five against Milan with the same Milan that last year another clean sheet 1-0 another clean sheet 1-0 getting all these clean sheets best defense in the league one of the best defenses in Europe Mike Manian in goal everything is perfect everything's amazing is it only the morale? So I, I think it's a number of things. I think it's the morale. Yes, I think it's an element of things can't go our way. You know, mm. um, goals being disallowed, injuries left, right and center. You know, it's just they almost feel, I think, defeated by by the misfortune. Um, they don't trust their goalkeeper. Everyone's shouting at Tatarsan all the time. You see, before the Sassuolo game, during the warm-up, the goalkeeping coach just casually shot the ball from outside the area, like barely put any fucking spin on it, nothing, no power, and it just goes into the top corner, and Tatarsan, who doesn't move, you see the goalkeeping coach literally waving his arms, like, what the fuck? Mm. Like, not even the goalkeeper, goalkeeping coach is impressed by Tatarsan. No one, man, at the moment. And, you know, 
he's not an idiot. You know, I'm sure he realizes the, the God knows the pressure on this guy. I don't know how he sleeps at how, night. How, right how, now. How, His teammates are constantly shouting at him. The media is constantly shitting on him. The fans think he's rubbish. He, he must be massive, in a very bad place right now. Massive <laughs> respect that he even shows up to every yeah. game. <laughs> it's true. Massive respect. He <laughs> must be true. in hell, like. It's true, poor He guy. must be in hell. I, I feel bad for him, mm-hmm. but. Yeah, maybe, maybe Milan do deserve but I mean, for sure, Milan And then you look at better. Tomori's injury, Kalulu seems to be in his own head as well. He made a couple of mistakes and now he mm. seems to have lost that belief he had in himself mm. that youth players, before they make a big mistake, they feel unstoppable, mm. they feel fearless. You know, when they make a couple of mistakes, they start getting criticized and suddenly they're in their shell a bit and they start to hesitate. And that's something that he has to, he has to beat. Overcome, yes, yeah. He has to overcome. But Calabria has just come back and he's not having a good time at all. It doesn't help that um, he's typically playing with Messi, also doesn't track back that much. Safe to say he was playing with Salamakers this time, didn't help that much either. Um, Teo Hernandez probably thinks I'm a little bit too good for this at the moment. The <laughs> KTLR is just trying to overcome this fucking spell that he has, all the pressure and all that. And instead, Pioli's just shocking him out at halftime. Mm. You know, like, why? Why are you taking him out at halftime? Give him a bit of time, man. You know, give give this guy some time to to play. Uh, he's, he's trying to turn the game around. Trying at to that turn point, the game man, around. Sure, three, but, but there's, down but there's half, Rebic, right? who was. Who wasn't great either. He was worse than De Ketelare. Take him out. Mm. Why do you take the 32 million signing? Wonder kid. Why didn't Leo start? That's another it, thing. It, Complacency it, maybe, poor attitude. It's just fucked right now, man. Milan, there's that situation with Leo right now. His lawyers just came out and said, stop talking shit. The guy wants yeah. to extend that Milan. He loves Milan. But you know, how many goals are we going to concede? It's going to, it might alter his, it might change his mind. The spell yeah. couldn't have come at the worst talk, time. Talk to me about, talk to me about Pioli. But talk to okay, me about Pioli. So the whole Pioli out thing, I am not on that train. No, fuck that train. No, 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 fuck no, no, that no. train. That Pioli train's out shit. is extremely reactionary. It's, it's fucking, how can you, granted, yes. Okay, okay, okay. So the results have been, Terrible. And if Pioli hadn't won the league, perhaps, yes, it would be justifiable to sack him. But, but this guy won a league he shouldn't have won. In, in no with world. A, with a team that was not good enough to win the league, quite frankly. Yes, this is a bad spell, but the way these guys approach the game, the way they play, the effort they put in. You look at the distance covered charts, Milan in the bottom three week in, week out lately. Mm. That's not fucking Pioli's fault. You know no. what I mean? It's, I, I think Pioli gets the sack if Milan don't qualify for Champions League or, yeah. or if this dip continues to the point that there's like an eight-point gap between yeah. Milan and the Champions League. If, I think if, that's if Milan don't get Champions League, then, then I guess it is the natural yes. next thing to do. And I wouldn't, it will be heartbreaking, but I wouldn't necessarily disagree with it. But then that being said, it's also not his fault. I was speaking about the investment side of it. I was hearing Pep Guardiola um, in an interview with uh, Rio Ferdinand. And Rio Ferdinand told him, how the hell do you win five Premier League titles, I believe? Um, how, how, do you, how do you keep winning so many Premier League titles? And Guardiola asked Ferdinand, how many have you won for United? And he said, five. And he said, did you have the same players for those five seasons? And Ferdinand's like, no. He's like, you have to shake. You have to mm. move. You get figured out. 
the game develops. Every season, the game changes. You need to get new players, you need to change your system, you need to shake things up a little bit. One season, you play with a false nine, then you play with a target man. One one season, you play with inverted wingers. The next season, you have wingers that play out wide. Next season, no wingers, maybe. We have Milan have to be more creative with their signings and with what they're doing. Mm-hmm. All they did was they attempted to get two replacements. They relied on the loanies coming back. Pobe got to replace Kessie. Adli is now an option in attacking midfield. What else? Origi coming in for, for, for depth or to be the star striker. To rotate with Giroud. The, the Ketelare to, to rotate with, with Brahim Diaz. It's just a loser mentality. Yeah. Loser mentality. Purely, we have to change something mentally and tactically. Our Scudetto will be to reach the Champions League. This will be our goal. This is what you said last week, bro. Literally. Correct. You said that um, Milan have shifted their goal from the Scudetto to the top four. And you're absolutely right. Pioli agrees. It's just the way it is right now. This team don't deserve to win the yeah. league and they're, they're not going to win the league. Not of the top six, they look the worst. Mm-hmm. A funny tweet I saw from Siaf Allahi on, on Twitter, okay. bro, the, the Inter fan. Mm. He said that Conte won a Scudetto with a goalkeeper performing like this. Bullshit. <laughs> it's bullshit, bullshit, right? Bullshit. Handanovic, stop shotting. Stop shotting. Shot stopping. <laughs> shot stopping is way better than Tatarzano. And uh, the only thing that Handanovic had was that he wouldn't dive when balls went to the corners. In, That's in, it. Incomparable, incomparable. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not even gonna debate that. It's so absurd that someone would say something like that. But, but anyway, shall we move on, bro? Yes, bro. Shall let's we move, move on? on before I fucking slit my wrist? Yeah. So <laughs> wow. Milan are in fifth with 38 points. While Sassuolo are in 16th with 20 points, seven points clear of relegation. Yeah, you do that. You just take the, uh, like that, I should have read Milan are in fifth and Sassuolo are in 16th, but sometimes you take them for me. Yeah, I do that, bro. Sometimes I take your shit. Yeah, fuck it. I take your clothes all the time. It's Mm -hmm. Milan are level on points with Lazio in third, Atalanta in fourth, and they're one point ahead of Roma in sixth. The top four is spicy, man. Well, well, the, the top four, Napoli are, <laughs> you know, yeah. they're, they're gone. They're gone. They, they have a goal difference of plus 33. The next best one is Lazio with plus 20. At this point, Napoli don't even breathe the same air. That no, no, in. no, no. They're Aquaman-like. <laughs> the next game we're going to be covering is Lazio 1, Fiorentina 1 at the Olimpico. Lazio lined up with their 4-3-3 formation, the classic Sarri formation. Provedel was in goal. Hisai on the left with Marisic on the right with Romagnoli and Chasale at the back. Luis Alberto Cataldi and Milinkovic Savic formed the midfield trident with Zaccani on the left wing, Pedro on the right wing and Philip Anderson as the false nine yet again. For Fiorentina, it was the exact same formation, 4-3-3 like for like. Um, Terracciano was in goal with Dodo on the right, Biragi on the left, Ranieri and Milenkovic as the centre-back duo with Bonaventura, Amrabat and Barak in the middle, Nico Gonzalez on the right, Kwame on the left and Jovic up front. In the seventh minute, Luis Alberto's corner in a dangerous area was not dealt with by Milinkovic and Chasale hit the ball into the back of the net with his outstep, leaving everyone rooted to the spot. This was Chasale's first ever Serie A goal. 
In the 48th minute, Nico Gonzalez scored a goal. The man who had previously been declared as mentally unavailable by yeah. coach um, Italiano. He scored an impressive goal as he carried the ball inwards from the wing, exchanged play with Bonaventura and hit a rocket into the corner on the turn from outside the area. Wow. Brilliant goal. Brilliant yeah. goal. And I must say Bonaventura has been playing really well lately. He has, but ever since he's worn that mask. It's true. Wow. He thinks he's awesome, man. Yeah. <laughs> In the 94th minute, there was a brilliant opportunity for La Viola to get the victory, but it was squandered by Milinkovic. The corner came in from Nico. It was headed down by Barak into the path of Milinkovic, who smacked the crossbar on the half volley with the keeper, with just the keeper to beat. Um, they could have won that, huh? Milinkovic... He should have scored that. ...has been dipping, huh? Milinkovic. Since the days he was rumoured the big teams and Fiorentina wouldn't let go. That was about three seasons ago now. He's just getting worse and worse. Um, in fact, recently we posted that TikTok of um, Baschirotto. Mm. Strongest man in the league, right? Yeah. And someone commented and they were like, where do you see him? Um, if he had to move to a big team. And I was like, to be honest... Um, he isn't quite ready for one of those top four teams, in my opinion. Like not simply, yet. Simply because he wouldn't start and not starting for him right now would be... It Foolish. doesn't make sense for him to go somewhere and just not start. You know, yeah. He's not even that young. Now, um, I think he would do very well at Fiorentina. Agreed, man. Because and, and then someone said, but they have Martinez Quarta, who's been playing really well. Sure, but I'm not talking about to replace Martinez Quarta. I'm talking about to replace fucking Milinkovic. Yeah, me? yeah. Um, he has been... Bad, even in the World Cup. Mm -hmm. It's For no Serbia. secret that, that he's been struggling recently, which is interesting because two seasons ago, three seasons ago, he was up there with one some of the best centre-backs in the league. Um, but you often see this in football. If you have a bad run of form, you need to be mentally you need to be a beast mentally to get through it and to find your form again and to be a consistent player again mm -hmm. and it just seems like he's struggling with that I think Fiorentina have been struggling and as a result Milenkovic has been being exposed more and he's been struggling more as a result of Fiorentina struggling but like even last season Fiorentina were doing bits and Milenkovic wasn't as good as he used to be man true bro um, I don't think it's a systemic problem I think it's just simply him just getting worse, you know. So some yeah. players progress, some players regress. He's regressing. He's at that yeah. age, I guess. But anyway, perhaps he's been in the same place for too long. That could also be a factor. Maybe he needs a change of environment. But yes, um, it has to be said, Fiorentina have been playing better. Well, they did play better this game against Lazio. And I would even go as far as saying as they deserve to maybe win this game. Huh? Um, you look at the possession stats, it was 55% possession to Fiorentina. They outshot Lazio 17 to 13. Lazio only had one shot on target and that was the goal, while Fiorentina had six shots on target. Italiano, after the game, said after the goal, we reacted well. We tried to put it back right away and we succeeded in the second half with Nico. Then in the end with Milenkovic, we could have won. But in the meantime, we found the game again and this is important. So he does think as well that there's been an improvement. Yeah, I mean, and there has been significantly ever since they came back from the winter break. You can't recognize the Fiorentina that played before that and the Fiorentina that we have now. They have been way more fluid. They've been way more creative. They struggled mainly from a creative standpoint. And they had all these wingers and they were failing to utilize them. And Kwame was carrying, uh, carrying at some point. But it's also good to mention that 
players like Nico Gonzalez are second half of the season players. Yes, that's true. It, and, and we're already starting to see that from Nico. And it's like they signed a new player. Mm. It's like they signed a new player. And they have signed a new player for next season as well, oh, Fiorentina, yes. on that note. No. Abdal Hamid Sabiri, my friend. That is a sign. That's a sign from Sampdoria, the talisman in midfield, the Moroccan gem. That is a sign. For the free kick in the World Cup as well. Fucking good player. Exciting stuff for Fiorentina fans, man. They, really they um, should be pushing up higher in the table, of course. Um, they're in 12th place and this isn't to segue to, to closing this game but they're in 12th place um, Fiorentina last season finished in 7th conference league spot exactly and they got the conference league spot do you think they could get anywhere close to Europe this season? they're 4 points off of 7th place so I'm sure that's still the target I'm sure they can do it there's Udinese in that spot right now above them there are Monza, Empoli, Bologna, Torino and Udinese now you look at those teams they're not very. They're not the most consistent teams in the world, you know. No. So Fiorentina can most definitely do it, bro. Yeah, agreed. Um, Sorry, was asked. Are you worried about games like this where you don't win, where you should, where you should be putting in a better performance? Mm. And he was like, worried. This is an actual quote, bro. I'm not making it up. Worried. If I should be worried, then the other coaches should kill themselves. Oh my. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Yes That's what he said And he's obviously referring to Zaghi To Allegri To Pioli Who right now Have way more stress Than Sarri does And yes Good point Very Very eloquently put Maurizio <laughs> <laughs> You're the man dude As transparent as ever Yeah really good man Yeah I mean You know A man who says that Is also a man Who's not rockets When the camera's on him Right <laughs> And, that, and that's the type of man he is. Um, sniffing a pack of cigs, like, <laughs> on the bench. He also blamed the Italian system. We had three days less of recovery than Fiorentina. That must make a difference. Yeah, the, the, sure the, guy, the guy had a team in the Prem. He knows what the, yeah. the schedules are like over there. And they're much worse than they are in Italy. Yeah. In Italy, what you get, though, is every game on a Wednesday during the day when everyone's at work. That's yeah. the type of shit you get. Thanks a lot, sir. Yeah. Saponara had one of the most fucking hilarious penalty dives I've ever seen in my life our girlfriends were on the couch and they usually kind of half watch the games mm. and there was a slow-mo replay of Saponara diving and screaming with his like eyebrows super expressive and they both just burst out laughing <laughs> just, it's, so it's funny, like bro. something funny happened on Love Island the way they reacted to yeah. that man they were so engaged that was great but yes a very entertaining game which ended 1-1. Yeah. Lazio currently sit in third with 38 points, while Fiorentina sit in 12th with 24 points. The next game we're going to be covering is Cremonese 1-Inter 2. For Cremonese, it was a 3-5-2 formation with Carnesecchi in goal, a backline of Vasquez, Kirikes and Bianchetti, Valeri out on the left, Senecola out on the right, Castagnetti, Meite and Benassi, in the middle with Okereke and Shofani up front. This was Benassi's debut as he's joined from Fiorentina. Correct. For Inter, it was also a 3-5-2 formation with Onana in goal, a backline of Darmian, Acerbi and Bastoni. Dumfries out on the right, DeMarco out on the left, Cialanoglu, Gagliardini and Mkhitaryan in the middle with Zeko and Lautaro Martinez up front. In the 10th minute, Okereke opened the scoring. The Nigerian curled the ball in off the crossbar from outside the area in a tight angle. A sensational strike. 
Very similar to Origi's, if you saw that, but probably even better. That's his second goal against Inter this season, and he made it 1-0. Ten minutes later, in the 20th minute, uh, Karnasecki saved Zerko's volley from a corner, but Lautaro managed to net in the rebound to make it 1-1. And then deep into the second half in the 64th minute, Zerko played the ball through to Lautaro, whose shot took a bubble off Vasquez and into the back of the net, making it 2-1. Obviously, before the final whistle went, Vlad the Mad Kirikiri Cream Kirikes almost turned the ball into his own net by being in the wrong place at the wrong time once again but he was saved by the crossbar. It's always hilarious, the the camera angles they get off his face. Oh my, he can never believe it's it. It's brilliant, man. He's like, not again. Do you remember the Kirikiri cream trees we used to eat I as children? I don't remember the Kirikiri cream trees. I'm going to Google it though. They're here. the ones you could put like the, the, it comes with chocolate chips sometimes and you can put it in, into the cream trees and also comes with crackers. Oh my God, I remember this. Do you remember that shit, This was man. a spread, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it well, I didn't used to eat it as though it was a spread. So you just pick it up and eat it? I mean, that's what people do. They dip like crackers into it and shit. No, it, com- it even comes with crackers, no? I the Kirikiri Kiri cream cheese, baby. I just, re- <laughs> I just remember the, the white block. You remember the those cracker sticks that used to come with that cream cheese and the wrapping of it had a red bull on it. Bro, man. Sometimes I wonder if we've lived the same lives. I don't remember that. Karnasecki had a good game <laughs> with a double save on DeMarco and Lautaro and a brave save on DeMarco's shot cross where he clattered onto the post. This was a very good performance by the Italian young goalkeeper and it even earned him a match rating of eight, something we barely see when a goalkeeper concedes two goals. So shout out to him. What did you make of this game, bro? So Inter played really well. They created chances. Their transitional play has improved. Um... Granted, they didn't get off to a flying start as Okereke scored an early goal, but to be honest, there was nothing they could do about that type of goal. Um, yeah. It was a sort of wonder goal that just happens and you have to recover. Fuck and it. recover they did. Um, Cremonese didn't really get many opportunities after that. Inter dominated 65% um, possession. They had 30 shots to Cremonese's 12. They had 10 shots of, on target to Cremonese's 4. Has to be said, yes, Karnasecki is a very, very, very good goalkeeper. Yeah. It seems like Cremonese have some flow about them nowadays. We always talk about how they put in good performances and they never get away with anything. But it seems like ever since that night against Napoli that they got that victory, Mm -hmm. we've seen a bit more confidence in them. Yes. It's not only... That plays a massive part for sure, mm. the, the Napoli victory. But they are also under new management, of course, with uh, Ballardini. Yeah. And they have looked more sound defensively. Mm-hmm. In fact, you know, they have quite a few veterans at the back. They've got Vasquez. We mentioned this, I think, last episode. Vasquez is um, an ex-Genoa player. Kirikas is an ex-Sassuolo player. You know, they have Bonaiuto. They have Bianchetti. These guys are also used to playing in Serie A. Um, with the Ballardini system, these guys can be quite a tight unit at the back. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Judging Kirikas doesn't have one of his moments. Yeah. Um, Lautaro, bro, after the World Cup, has really found his form. He has moved up to third in the goal scoring charts. He's two behind Ozyman and one behind Lukman. Mm-hmm. Um, why do you think, general question over here, and I'm sure we've discussed it before, why do you think some players play so poorly 
on the international stage and then so good at club level. We're talking about the likes of Gonzalo Higuain, Chiro Mobile. Why do these things happen to these people? I think they're systematic players, man. I think they're players that fit a, a system real well. You see players, um, the players that you mentioned, for example, Higuain from the Spanish game moved to the Italian game. Um, the Italian game is very unique. It's very tactical. And then you go play for Argentina where you have so many skillful, technical, fast players. And it's just difficult to adapt to that kind of system. But then you could tell me, okay, so why does Ciro Mobile not perform well for Italy in that case? Everyone around him is essentially a Serie A player. Why the fuck doesn't he perform well? He's one of Serie A's leading all-time top goal scorers. And the answer is, who the fuck knows, man? <laughs> who the fuck knows? Who the fuck knows? Why, why doesn't Immobile play, play well for Italy? Is it a mental block? I think it has to be something mental. Yeah, no, it, it must be. Um... Like Lautaro not playing well for Argentina, I get. Because it's a very different system. A very, very different system. But Immobile in a 4-3-3 for Italy. I think it has to be seen as like... You know, when you, for, I'm, I'm going to use FIFA as an example, but not to, not in the dumb way. Okay. <laughs> you know, when you, you know, weekend league, have you ever done the weekend yeah. league? So weekend league is a tournament you can qualify for when you play FIFA, right? Um, you have to play a couple of games and you qualify basically. During the games that you play, that you win, you don't have much pressure and you just win them. Mm -hmm. No, no problem. You don't yeah. even think about it. Then you qualify for the weekend league where every win matters. Mm. And all of a sudden you're overthinking it. You're in your own head. Maybe it's the same thing for this guy. Domestically, Giro Mobile knows that he has, for Gonzalo Higuain, Lautaro Martinez, he has 38 games to get shit done. Yeah. He has 38 games to score. He has 38 games to prove himself. It's a long season. When it comes to the international stage, usually you have a two-week break. You have a one-month-long tournament. So perhaps it comes so quickly Mm. And the pressure, you know, it, it doesn't give them any time to ease into the team, to get to know the team, to gel with the team, to build confidence, to build belief. You know, you just have to go in and have a positive impact. And some players just don't manage to do that. And I guess they get into yeah. the right? Exactly. And, and like you said, man, you have more time in a season over 38 games to recover from bad spells of form. Yeah, it's, it's, it's as simple as that. And you We've be, seen Lautaro yeah. struggle. We've seen him struggle recently for Inter. I mean, last week we're saying that he was struggling and the week before we're saying that he's struggling. Now he finds two goals against Cremonese because you have matches against Cremonese in this area. It's not always against the best 20 teams in the world or the best 10 teams in South America or whatever. Yeah. Um, and you can find your form. You have time to find your exactly, form. Exactly, yes. Three games without a goal in the league is normal. Three games without a goal in a World Cup qualifying is a campaign. failed campaign. Is a, yeah, it's a worrying thing. You get a lot of backlash. People start saying, oh, should we start Skamaka? Mm, you know, exactly. all that stuff. Exactly. So, so yeah. Skriniar, bro. Skriniar, man. 20 million off to PSG. Signed his contract. He's leaving in the summer. He's going to be making 9 million in wages a year. Yeah, the, it's the 20 million sign-on fee is Crazy! So just by putting pen to paper, he makes twenty million. This guy, yeah, I would just sign the paper and break my legs. I mean, <laughs> not a bad, not a bad idea. Maybe Skriniar is a bit more ambitious than you. Um, Inter fans, I want to hear something from you. I want to hear: Are you livid 
that he is still wearing the captain's armband as Milan fans we didn't like it when Romagnoli did it and we didn't like it when Donnarumma did it and Kessie and when Kessie fuck me and Defilio we've had it rough <laughs> we've had it really Defilio rough Defilio wearing the captain's armband I really mm. like Juventus <laughs> Inter apparently they they were interested. I don't know if they'll remain interested in Harry Maguire. I don't know if they had a drink that day and they were like, "Fuck it, this guy, this guy, we're bringing him in." Like, yeah, I don't get it. Uh, I'm sure, but that was the Sun, no, that reported it. So, I'm um, sure. it was the Sun. It was the Sun, I believe. But but who the hell knows? Sometimes Inter do sign random Premier League players. The the Ashley Youngs, mm-hmm. the Moses. You know what I mean? But those so, were. Moses was a Conte player, no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, it didn't quite work out. (laughs) And fucking Noggin, what's his name? Maguire will be an Inzaghi player. Oh my God, bro, I thought you dropped a racial slur. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, no, definitely not, guys. No racial slur there. Now, um, I have two points to make about Inter. Despite this game being better than the previous ones, they still kind of look a bit nervous. They play risky passes uh-huh. instead of instead of the safe ones. They rush. The same thing as Milan, to be honest. Uh-huh. Right? Uh-huh. Just way more organized. Just way more Milan. organized, yeah. Um, also, why doesn't Zaghi play Gagliardini, whose contract expires in five months and might be walking out on a free? When you have a supposed future protagonist in Aslani. And mm. Why don't you just play Aslani, dude? Mm. It is interesting, man. Maybe it doesn't believe that Aslani is ready yet. No. Mm. Uh, you know, I think I'm kind of ready for a game against Cremonese as well. So Because Aslani, Aslani plays in the Brozovic <laughs> in the Brozovic position, right? So that would allow you to um play Chalanoglu in his actual position as a Mezzala. Exactly. Or, you know, higher up basically, instead of as a as a register I think it comes down to the balance that Simone Enzaghi is after in that three-man midfield man like I think he enjoys having someone more attacking like Mkhitaryan and then Chalanoglu playing as a as a regista at the moment and then Gagliardini for the physicality and I don't think you can drop Chalanoglu as a regista right now I think he's grown into the role um, very big shoes to fill with with Brozovic still being out, and I think they should. I think he's doing the right thing in consistently utilizing the same player rather than reshuffling and reshuffling and reshuffling. Fair enough, bro. Cremonese um, have made it too. Crazy man. Correa played the ball to Charles Piquel, who slotted in home as Celic tried to deflect it off the line, but ended up basically scoring an own goal. Yeah, but I had to to kind of. Work off of what you said. Inter aren't at a hundred percent right now. No, they're not. Um, they will beat Milan. Yes, they, this they, weekend they will beat Milan this weekend. Um, but they do say that form doesn't matter in a derby. But is it form when every shot goes in? When you let every shot go in? So I, I, I don't know, man. Yeah, I don't think Milan have a chance this derby. Um. You just look at the way things have gone. It would have to take a miraculous turnaround. The yeah. only thing that might change it is Zlatan's presence, mm. in my opinion. Because Zlatan has been, if you notice, he's not. On, he hasn't been on the bench. No. He's been filming fucking Asterix and Dobelix. What the fuck is it? <laughs> you know the, the movie? No. Come on. The, I'm going to show you a picture, bro. Asterix okay. and Dobelix. Asterix and what? Obelix. It might not even be Asterix. What the hell is Obelix? Obelix. Yes, this is Asterix and Obelix. These guys. 
Let me see. Oh, I, I used to have stickers of those. I think we had stickers yeah. of those guys when we were younger. We did. Zlatan is, <laughs> is in a movie. No. Yes, and he's playing, I guess, as one of them. I don't know. He's in body armor and stuff. And he's been recording. This is the Sanremo of the season. Literally basically. the Sanremo of yeah. the season. And, uh, you know, Zlatan's out and Milan concede a million goals. So Exactly. <laughs> so if he comes back, hopefully, you know, he can, you know, he's like a father figure. It's a, yeah. as cliche as it is, it's totally true. Milan lost 5-0 to Atalanta, he came in and it took until he wasn't there again to lose. Exactly. Uh, to concede five goals. Exactly. Again. So yeah, um, hopefully there can be a mental shift before the Inter game. Everyone can calm the fuck down and we'll get to see a balanced game. That's what I want to see. A balanced yeah, yeah, game. Yeah. Just, just not, not, shamb- not a shambolic performance. Just exactly. let, let it be a decent one. Inter sit in second place on 40 points. They're 13 behind Napoli and just two ahead of Lazio, Atalanta and Milan. Whereas Cremonese are in 20th, still just on eight points and still haven't won a single game all season. Juventus nil, Monza two. The second win for Monza over Juventus this season. It's almost like they're rewarded, bro, for beating Juventus. It's almost like the president and the management of the team incentivize victories against Mm. clubs of a certain nature by rewarding them with some kind of gift. Yeah. It's almost like the president of Monza publicly stated that the Monza players would be receiving some kind of service if they managed to beat Juventus this season. I believe the quantity of the service, give or take, was around a busload. Yes, give or take. Give Give or take. take, Yes, and the nature of the gift inside this bus. They were whores! (laughs) They were whores! (laughs) Yes, um, Berlusconi is a genius. You know, you promise uh, Pullman Detroit and apparently you beat Juventus twice in a season. Yes, those who don't know, those who haven't been listening, those who haven't been reading the news. Berlusconi publicly said that if Monza give, if the Monza players give the people of Monza a beautiful victory against Juventus, he will get them a bus full of whores. Yeah. And uh, perhaps that's what incentivizes these people. Boys will be boys. Boys will be boys with their toys. (laughs) Now... You've lined up with a 3-5-2 formation with Chesney in goal, Danilo, Bremer and Gatti at the back, Kostic on the left and De Chilio on the right with Rabio, Paredes and Fagioli in the middle, Di Maria and Moiskin up front. For Monza, it was a 3-4-2-1 formation with Di Gregorio in goal, the fantastic, formidable, bombastic Di Gregorio, bro. What a fucking player. How much could he cost? You know he's your age. What? He was born in 1997. What? Yeah, man. He, he Probably a couple older. months older than him. Yeah. That's, um, goalkeepers tend to be born towards the beginning of the year. This isn't a horoscope thing. Um, Simply because Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> If you're an Aquarius yeah, You're probably a goalkeeper <laughs> <laughs> What no, man Bro it's true Because players Players Children born at the beginning of the year Develop faster Physically uh. Than others Therefore 
at school during PE during sports they take wanks these in the guys, shower, like. no, no, these guys would be bigger do you, when you're a kid these fucking growth spurts happen so suddenly bro and a couple of months difference can mean that you are fucking 510 while your classmates are 54 and they put you in goal they put you center back you look at these athletes who were most of them were born at the beginning of the year it's crazy but anyway we should run a survey do it bro with keepers Now we do it. Next episode. <laughs> Imagine they're all born in December. <laughs> De Gregorio was in goal. Itzo, Mari and Calderola were at the back with Churia on the right and Carlos Augusto on the left. Rovella and Mushin were in the middle. Danny Mota was up front with Pessina and Caprari playing behind him. Who did you say Rovella was Mushin? <laughs> That was brilliant. Thank you. Monza thought they took an early lead through a very clean strike by Caprari, but VAR deemed the Italian to be offside. Um, close call there for Juve, but then in the 17th minute, a beautiful run of the ball behind the defense by Churia was met by Machine's through ball, and the Italian hit the ball into the roof of the net over Chesney. Churia goal, Machine assist. Now, I've been big on Machine for a while, and, yeah. and I, was, I was really worried that um, due to the investments that Monza made he would be forced out and get mm -hmm. the game time and that seemed to be the trend at the beginning of the season but I think he's just shown too much quality to be benched at this point uh -huh. he's a really and tidy midfielder he's a very tidy midfielder and a massive reason as to why they're in promotion last year true yes for sure in the 38th minute Mamma Mia Carlos Augusto the man dispossessed Di Maria dribbled past Rabiot held the ball until Mota was in an onside position <laughs> dribbled past Bremer played the ball to Mota Mota rounded Chesney and scored what a goal Carlos Fuck Augusto me. super, super yeah, that, that, that was incredible by the left back man incredible that whole move even Danny Mota take nothing away from Mota the way he rounded Chesney and finished cleanly over there with a player on the line beautiful goal by Monza bro Monza can attack, huh? They really can. Monza they, can attack. Fluid. They're so fluid. Very fluid. Granted, they're playing against a Juventus team who are demoralized for of the pitch reasons. Right now, it has been publicly stated by Di Maria that they feel like they've been robbed, quite frankly. All their hard work and their valiant efforts in those fucking clean sheets mm. and those narrow victories and those late winners, you know, everything robbed for... Some financial irregularities that the players had absolutely nothing to, yeah, to do with. That, is, that must be so frustrating, so demoralizing. I can't help but empathize with these guys. I empathize with the players. They were robbed, however, by their president and by their owner. Yes, That's who they were by robbed by. People. Yes. Um, Danny Mota, goal scorer of the second goal, was actually a Juventus player in the between 2019 and 2020. He has 20 appearances for the Juventus under-23s with seven goals, but then he never mm. made an appearance for the senior team and was loaned out to Monza, where eventually he made his move permanent. He has played 75 games for Monza since scoring 20 goals. Yep. And here he is in Serie A, again, this time getting playing time and scoring goals, man. Yeah, in the 77th minute, Bremer headed in a rebound after a great Di Gregorio save, but he was clearly in an offside position, so the game ended 2-0. You look at the statistics over here, bro. Um, Monza dominated the possession ever so slightly, 54%. Juventus had 22 shots to Monza's three shots on goal, eight for Juve, Monza three shots on goal. Two of them resulted in goals. Efficiency. Crazy, bro. Um, 
And results like this occur, you know, I'm sure the management right now understand the situation and the complexity of it. Um, they keep backing Allegri. There's a rumored contract extension till 2027. I'm sure that the fact that sacking him would be so expensive, that's probably a big reason yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, the fact that right now they need unity, they need stability, they need to rebuild their morale and their motivation. They need to give these players something to fight for, quite frankly. They sit in 13th right now with 23 points. So the Champions League... Currently, you know, Atalanta have 38 points. It's very difficult yeah. for them. This very this difficult. this loss was a massive setback for them. They still have a lot of games to go against teams in the top 10. This wasn't one of them as they faced Monza. You know, any any player with an understanding of the game would have bet on at least a Juve win or draw, <laughs> as speaking in betting terms. But a 2-0 victory for Monza is massive for Monza. We know they have it in their locker, man. We know they're pushing to be a top 10 team in their first season in Serie A. They've made the investments for it. They have a lot of local talent, local young talent that is hungry to be a part of this new project. And then on the other side, you have maybe a mix of players that aren't too familiar with each other with a lot of injuries and just being docked 15 points because of financial irregularities. What are you playing for at this point? What's your goal? What's your ambition? Allegri's been there for a while. They don't play exciting and enticing football. They stick back and they murder the game. So that's the difference between the two sides. It doesn't mean that Juve don't win any single game, but they simply came up against the polar opposites of themselves and they lost. They got exposed. They had an XG of 0.30 in the first half and finished with an XG of 1.82. Not a very good performance by Juventus over here. No. Two wins for Mons against Ju- Juve, as I've already said. Um, this is crazy. This is particularly crazy because Palladino hasn't even managed 15 Serie A games yet. And he's Mental. already beaten Juve twice. Yeah. Wow, like, that's pretty good. Yeah. Um, Keane, Moise Keane, had 13 touches in the first half. And Vlaovic had eight touches off the bench. <laughs> Welcome back, bro. Yeah. <laughs> eight saves for Di Gregorio. Many of them high-quality saves. I believe four of four them were, like, them. insane. Yes. Four of them were incredible saves, man. Incredible saves. Go look at the highlights, guys, if you haven't yet. This Bremer dip. I mean... I think the Kirikiri cream dip is better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no way is Kirikas better. <laughs> but I think it's um, Juve's defenses of form at the moment, same way Milan's defenses of form at the moment. They got battered in that Napoli game where they conceded five goals and they simply haven't recovered from it yet. And I think they're slightly figured out in the sense that if you want to get goals against Juve, you need to attack Juve and you need to attack them directly. I think that's exactly what teams have been doing now and they're managing to do that. And I think they're starting to get exposed in the fact that Danilo isn't a natural centre-back. We saw Gatti coming in now, still needs some more experience over there. You know, Rabio, Paredes and Fagioli, do they offer much stability in midfield to safeguard the defence? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. Um, the system is normally what saves Juve conceding so many goals with everyone sticking back a little bit, but just tactically somewhat all over the place at the moment. So as a result for that, players like Bremer are going to be the ones that struggle and they're going to be the ones exposed and they're going to be the ones fucking up at the end of the day. You can't have a perfect performance when the system around you is flawed and everyone's fucking it up essentially. So I do... Empath- I'll sympathize 
for Bremer at the moment. It's not entirely his fault. Yeah, Juventus, three games played, 10 goals allowed. Allegri's brand is currently his weakness. His brand is that he doesn't concede much and all of a sudden he can't stop conceding. This is funny because Pioli's brand is also his weakness at the moment. Pioli's Mm. brand being that of motivating players, giving players courage, giving them the belief. That seems to be his weakness right now. Mm. So there's been a little bit of a shift over here. I need to call Sarah and ask her if Mercury is in retrograde. Shall we do that? I was about to make the same joke, but yes, please do it. Let's see. Let's call Sarah. So she's gonna say. I'm sure watching Love Island. She's definitely not gonna answer. Yeah. Hey, is Mercury in retrograde right now, or like, uh, is something happening? Um, I don't know, baby. <laughs> if you googled it, you would get a quicker answer. No, but that won't be good for the pod. Do you're on the pod? <laughs> oh, I'm watching Love Island. Yeah, we we thought so. <laughs> what? We thought so. We thought I thought you wouldn't answer. In fact, so Mercury isn't in retrograde right now. I don't know. Okay. Is that? Do you know anyone we can ask? So we mm. need some serious answers. Like, if Mercury is in retrograde. Yes. Uh, you you don't know like some some woman that wears a scarf on her head. You or like crystals. Yeah. Someone who charges their crystals when there's a full moon. I know one, but you don't know her, so calling her would be a bit weird, I think. Yeah. Don't worry, babe. Thank you very much, and enjoy your show, huh? Ciao. Love you. Bye. Love you. Thank God she said it back on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) It's only been 10 years. (laughs) Fucking hell. (laughs) Say it back. It's gone. Um, yes, I love her reaction. I don't know, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so sweet. It's so sweet. No. Um, yes, I, I mean, I feel bad for Juventini. I feel bad for the Juve players right now. Let's see what they can do. Let's see if Allegri can motivate his boys to do better. Monza doing well right now, aiming for a conference league spot as things stand. They can actually do it. You know, they have 25 points. Um, Udinese have 28 currently in the, in the conference. Udinese have 29 Perhaps I need to refresh. You, I fucking put screenshots on every single slide, man, with the with the league table for you. Thirty-nine for yeah. you. I like Even before time. you said that um, someone is eight points behind Udinese, and it was actually nine points. Oh damn! Yeah, Sassuolo. Let's start from the beginning, bro. <laughs> oh, we, need to, we need to start over. Use use the screenshots. No, yeah, yeah, I refresh. <laughs> Um, Monza have 25 points Udinese in the Conference League spot have 29 points exactly so it's definitely an objective for Monza 100% they can do it man they can literally do it the way they play they definitely can Mm. they have a good project going on over there yeah the next game we're going to be covering is Atalanta 2 Sampdoria nil. so Atalanta lined up in their 3-4-1 formation with Musso on goal and the back three of Scalvini Jim City and Toloi Hatteber out on the right with Mele out on the left Midfield two of Coop Miners and Deron, with Boga out on the left, Lukman out on the right, and Hoylund up front. For Sampdoria, it was also a 3-4-2-1. A lot of the same formations going up mm-hmm. against each other this week. Mercury is fucking up, like, for sure. <laughs> Audero in goal, a backline of Amione, Nuitink, and Murru. Leris out on the right and Augella out on the left. 
Harry Winks and Thomas Rincon together in the midfield. I thought we would ever be saying that. Yeah. Harry Winks and <laughs> Rincon in a Rincon. double pivot. Like <laughs> Gabbiadini out on the right, Juricic out on the left and Lammers up front for Sampdoria. So there was a great double save by Mosson, Gabbiadini and Augello to get things going. And then the 42nd minute, Mele headed in after a Hatteberg cross to make it two goals in two games. This came right after Lukman struck the post after his own header following a Boga cross. 1-0 to Atalanta. In the restart in the 57th minute, Lukman scored again. Lukman is just on fire this season. Another sensational goal in match day 20 as Lukman made quick work of Murru, ran the ball into the box, gave a little cheeky feint to fuck Nuitink up and smashed the ball into the bottom corner through the legs of the defender. This was like he was bullying people. It's like, you know, when we used to go play football in the swings and we were like, what, eight and ten? Yeah. And some random 17-year-old would come play with us and we're like, this guy is among the best players in the yeah. world right now. Because <laughs> he's doing these like, step overs and he's yeah. really fast and he's got long legs and he's big. That's what it looked like. That's why he, he faints, no, he think, opens his legs, just slots in between his legs he's and scores. Like, just point. taking the piss. There was a goal Papu Gomez scored for Atalanta like that. Yeah, yeah, I, I remember yeah. it. I remember it. At the moment, Lukman is one of the best players in Serie yeah, I am petrified of the man and what an asset he is for Atalanta, who had 62% ball possession in this game. They had 21 shots. However, Sampdoria had 15 shots and they had the same amount of shots on target, each with five. What does that tell us about the game? It tells us that um, Sampdoria continue to play well under Stankovic, but do not get any results for it, right? It's as, a as hard... Boring as it is to repeat, always. Yeah, it's a hard fixture list at the moment, yeah. though. It's clear. I believe there was a newspaper that had a headline um, in Italian. It was Sampdoria, good game, no goal. Mm. And that sums them up pretty yeah. well right now. They're playing really well, but they're not scoring. Um it's looking a bit dire for them at the moment, man. It they is, really man. They really need to get their shit together. What um, I'm interested in knowing is their fixtures towards the end of the season, man. You can check that. Um, well, I'll point out Atalanta's advantage over the other teams in the top six. Cool. The fact being that they don't have any European football to worry about and they've actually got decent squad depth. And now they've crashed out of the Coppa Italia. So they only have to think about playing once a week in the league. And that is mm. a massive advantage when you look at the likes of um, of Napoli, of Inter, of Lazio, of Milan, of Roma. These guys all have European competitions to play in. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was just saying that Sampdoria have had a tough fixture list, but to be honest, it really wasn't that bad. I mean, Atalanta, they had Udinese at home. And I know Udinese are Udinese, mm. but they've been struggling recently. Um, away to Empoli, I mean... You could do something over there. Yeah. And then before that, they had Napoli, where they obviously lost. And before that, they had Sassuolo, where they won. What's coming up for Sampdoria? What is coming up for Sampdoria is Monza away, Inter home, Bologna home, Lazio away, Salernitana home, Juve away, Verona home, Roma away. <laughs> Can't help but feel like they're fucked. But then, towards the end, so if this is from... In April, they play Cremonese home, they play Lecce away, they play Spezia home, Fiorentina away, Torino home. That's when things kind of look a bit easier. But, mm. bro, honestly, prediction right now oh, is Sampdoria go down. All it takes are three three victories. 
these teams at the bottom don't win eh, that much. Eh, not really, man, because there's a massive gap between where they are right now in 19th. They're nine points behind Spets, yeah, man. Bro, and these teams can't, will mostly lose points, you know? Um, I, I don't see, personally, I don't see Sampdoria and Cremonese making it out. They're Cre- still, they're still on single uh, figures, man. My, yeah, yeah. Sampdoria only one point ahead of Cremonese, man. I know, I know, it's true. And then Sampdoria are the team with the most losses this season. Sampdoria have had 15 losses. That's three losses more than Cremonese, two losses more than Verona. Yeah, definitely disappointing. It's going to be very, very, very tough for we'll them. See, I'm curious to see, though, because sometimes these teams do put up a bit of a charge at the end of the Salernitana season. Salernitana last Salernitana, year. We've seen yes, Crotone yes. do it as well. So, yeah, we'll, we'll keep an, our eyes peeled. Yeah. Atalanta climb into the Champions League zone. Sampdoria's troubles continue. Yes, sir. Atalanta are in fourth with 38 points. Sampdoria are in 19th with nine points. Thanks, King, for filling in over there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's your turn now Oh is it? It Udinese is Udinese 1 Hellas Verona 1 Now Verona have just lost their talisman Illich As he's off to Torino Yeah He actually debuted for them mm-hmm. I was also surprised to find out That Ongla is out on loan at Real Valladolid. Oh, okay. I had no idea. Yeah, He's a no very idea. good squad player and they're suddenly very thin in the center midfield region. True. Um, they lined up with their four with their three four two one formation with Montepo and Gol, Magnani, Hein and Ceccherini at the back with the Pauli on the right, Lazovic on the left, Suleiman and Tameze in the middle. I'm a big fan of the Suleiman guy. He's good, he's good, he's good. Young Ghanaian guy. Yeah. Lasagna and Braff played behind the big man Budget Zlatan. Yeah. <laughs> Juric, of course. Braff stopped filming Scrubs to come do this. Thank Braff. you very much. <laughs> Who was it? Braff. Zach Braff. Uh, JD. JD. Yes. JD. So Silvestri was in goal for Udinese as they lined up with their 3 5 2 formation. They had Perez, Bijol, and Rodrigo Becao at the back, Udoji on the left, Ezibwe on the right. With Arslan, Wallace and Samardzic in the middle, Beto and Success played together up front. In the fourth minute, Bakao attempted to block Lazovic's long-ranged strike with his head, but caused the ball to loop over a helpless Silvestri. And that's a, an own goal for Rodrigo Bakao. Yeah. In the 21st minute, it was Samardzic who scored, as Beto received the ball in the box with his back towards goal, but managed to shield the ball impressively before laying it off to Samardzic, who slotted it in neatly with a toe poke into the bottom corner. Tell, tell them what this did to your Fanta on, so the, has, on the other one. Okay, so I have two Fanta cultures. Matthew resents one of them. Because <laughs> he's not in it. <laughs> I, mean, I think it's silly to have two Fantas. I, I really think it is, man. No, I mean, it's fun. I'm sure it's fun, but yeah. how can you, you're never happy? Like, I'm always happy, bro. I'm, you're I'm always happy, but you're always sad. I'm always sad. <laughs> 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 so basically, I was I was losing four two, mm. and it was Monday, and you know results come out on Tuesday. It's the last game within as a Verona. I'm like, we, I'm we've fine. been depressed yes. this week, obviously, because exactly. of what happened on the weekend. And losing four two on fancy football isn't good. And I'm in second place, and I really needed a point at least, you know, to keep up with the person who's first, who happens to be um, no, it's not Mintov actually. It's Kurt Sultana. Shout out, Kurt. Mm, shout out. Now, I had Samardzic playing and he had Rodrigo back out. 
Rodrigo, because scored an own goal, his rating goes down to a three. Someone who scores, his rating goes up to a 10 and suddenly become 3-3 three, three and I get a point. <laughs> That's crazy, oh, man. Amazing. That's I sent, crazy. I sent him a voice note to taunt him. <laughs> the guy who was against so let me find him. Until you do, I have um, Lazovic in my team and Steve, who, who I was against, our resident Juve fan, you've, you've, you've heard from him before. Um, he has Bekao and initially it was a Lazovic goal for me that made it uh, 4-1, but instead it turned into a Bekao own goal, which made it 3-0 for me. So either way, very happy. Yeah, this is what I what I sent. So he he tagged me on the on the WhatsApp chat and said, no comment on what's happening. And I said, Bro, I don't want to fucking speak too soon and jinx everything, but I can't believe it. Then he said, me neither. I want to cry. That's all. Siamo venuti fin qua. Siamo venuti fin qua per vedere segnare Becao. We have to say, Becao scored an own goal with the same head that has made Milan fans cry on so many times and that has made other people come in five seconds. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Guys, if you don't play Fanta Culture, you should totally get into it. Um, 100%. Find a few friends of yours who are passionate who will actually um, do their team every weekend. Yeah. It's so much fun, guys. It's so much For fun. For sure, man. For sure. It changes your weekend entirely. And when your team isn't performing well, at least you can look at your Fanta and that you could be performing well. <laughs> exactly. So Udinese had 55% ball possession. They took 26 shots compared to Hellas Verona's 10. Um, Udinese had eight shots on target and Verona had two shots on target. Mm. I think Verona started the game quick as they have been recently as they were known for in the past but obviously when they weren't performing well they didn't have that trait to them but they're managing to start games off fast again I think Zaffaroni has reinstilled this kind of identity in them however if there is then one place that Udine is a kind of where they're good essentially is that they have 90 minutes of play in them and this allowed them not only to get back into the game but for the rest of the game they were the better side throughout the after Verona scored really still obviously they're missing certain key pieces within their team with Pereira and Delefeu out Delefeu out injured requires surgery Pereira I think it's more of a precautionary um, mm. kind of thing so I think once they get those back in and running well they won't be at full flow again but but they'll be much better and maybe they'll make quick work of a side like Verona Yes, Verona have really tightened things up. They are the team in the bottom three who have got their shit together the most. Um, Udinese came up against a tough opponent without two key pieces and they lost two valuable points over here. Yeah. Um, Verona are currently in 18th with 13 points, while Udinese are 7th with 29 points. The next game we're going to be covering is Bologna 2, Spezia Nil, it is my turn, right? I think so. Yes, it is. Bologna 2, Spezia nil. So Bologna lined up in their 4-2-3-1 formation with Skorupski in goal, Cambiaso as their left-back, Posh as their right-back, and Lukumi and Sao Mauro as the two centre-backs. Shouten and Morrow as the double pivot, Soriano out on the left, Orsolini out on the right, Ferguson in the attacking mid with Zergze up front. 
For Spezia, it was a 3-4-1-2 formation with Drangovski in goal, a backline of Amian, Caldara and Nicolau. Home out on the right and Drake out on the left with Ampadu, Burabia and Kovalenko in the middle. Agudelo up front alongside Emmanuel Giasi. So in the 36th minute, Cambiasso's cross was controlled by Orsolini and hoofed into the roof of the net by Posh from close range. Shout out to Zerg Zay for his good work out wide in the build-up. Really good close ball control over there, uh, managing to contribute very well to this goal. Zerg Zay is a hot talent, man, and he's playing really well under Motta. Um, Bologna are playing really well under Motta, and they were by far the better team. Over yeah, um, I can't stress this point about Zerg Zay is he flows. He flows. That's that's the thing. He's He's silky, he's smooth, he's got good close ball control. Does he have an eye for a goal? That's the question. And I guess we'll figure that out soon enough. Yeah, so young player, um, tall, technical, very exciting. Yeah, he's got Bayern Munich on his resume as well. Yeah, and he's got uh, Marnautovic as his mentor. You can learn a lot from him. 100%. Skorupski had a highlight reel double save as he got down well to deny Reka's long range strike and threw himself between Jassi and the empty net to deny the, the Ghanaian a rare goal. Brilliant save by Skorupski. I always say what a massive fan I am of him. It's no different over here. Orsolini thought he wrapped up the victory after tapping in Soriano's cross shot, but he was deemed to be in an offside position. However, then in the 77th minute, he did manage to wrap up the game after a brilliant through ball by Dominguez from his own half put Orsolini clean through on goal and the Italian finished brilliantly into the top corner. Orsolini likes a finish into the roof of the net slash into the top corner. He rarely goes for those low ones, catches the keeper off guard. He... Scores as many as he misses, right? That's, yeah, the, yeah, that's yeah, the thing yeah, with, yeah. with Orsolini. Um, he also never passes. He never passes. He never passes. He never passes. But yeah. himself, Soriano and Dominguez have found some very good form. Something that they each struggle with, especially Soriano and Orsolini. Um, but they're ticking now. They're ticking yeah. under Motta and they're looking very good, man. That, that yeah. assist by Dominguez for the second goal was sensational. Yeah. Sensational, man. They tore Spezia apart. Spezia looked to struggle, especially without Inzola. They have brought in Shomorodov from Roma. They have. And that's an exciting signing. If you do play Fantacultura, you might want to pick him up over there. I can see Shomorodov doing quite well with the Spezia team. The guy's a decent striker. You know, he needs a new environment to express himself, and this might be the perfect place. Yeah. And you only need two things to play for Spezia, and that is not being the first choice in your team, but having a massive set of nuts. And that's exactly... <laughs> what Shomorodov does. The man from Uzbekistan, is it? I, I believe it is Uzbekistan. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Bologna controlled this game over a struggling Spezia side. You know, you have Bologna that are playing very good football at the moment and are finding themselves. Whereas Spezia, you, you can't fault their efforts, but they're nowhere on the same level as Bologna, obviously, at the moment. They're nowhere near the level of most teams in Serie A this season. In fact, they only managed to get six shots away, whereas Bologna managed to get 18, and Bologna controlled the position as well, 58-42. to 42. Verona continued to climb closer to Spezia to escape the relegation zone, as Spezia are currently on 18 points, and Verona are currently on 13 points. Yep. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Spezia have survived three seasons in a row in Serie A. Let's see if they can continue to do it. And let's see if they can rack things up. Let's see if Shomorodov can come in and make a difference over here. Yes, sir. On the other hand, Bologna are in ninth place on 26 points. They have something to play for over here. Bologna is very tight in their area. Odinese 
who are seventh are on 29 points. Torino, who are eighth, are on 27 points. Bologna and Empoli are on 26. Monza just behind them on 25. Fiorentina on 24. Juve on 23. Salernitana on 21. Then Lectress Aswolo on 20. What a league. What a league. What a league. The next game we're going to be covering is Empoli 2, Torino 2, one of the most exciting games of the weekend. Um, Empoli lined up with their 4-3-1-2 formation with Vicario on goal, Cacaccio on the left, Abuehi on the right, with De Winter and Luperto at the back, Bandinelli, Marlin and Akpa Akpro were in the middle with Baldanzi in the free roll in the Trequartista position. Caputo and Satriano were the duo up front. For Torino, it was their 3-4-1-2 formation with Milinkovic Savic in goal, Sure. Bongiorno and Ricardo Rodriguez at the back with Bayeye and Voivoda on the wings with Linetti and Ricci as the double pivot with Vlasic in front of them Demba Sek up front alongside Radonjic you will realise over here that Torino arrested some players for the Coppa Italia clash against Fiorentina which they lost yeah Belotti just got his first goal for Roma over here in the Coppa Italia Oh, nice. It's a little too late, I think, for them. It's yeah. like the 94th minute. Yeah, it? they've got one minute left of playing. Yeah. But yeah. So it all started off in the 37th minute when Luperto <coughs> bagged his first ever say a goal after heading in Marin's corner at the near post. What a goal that was. In the 59th minute, Richie's back heel volley struck the post after a Voivoda cross, denying the Italian a goal against his former team. He looked inspired, Richie. He wanted really, to do some damage over Really there. and truly, man. In the 68th minute, Marin scored thanks to a Caputo assist. Now, this goal was sensational. It's not often that one leaves Vanya Milinkovic-Savic rooted to the spot, but the stadium stood still as Marin fired the first-time knuckleball into the fucking far top corner from outside the area. Could have easily been goal of the week. Definitely, man. And one of the goals of the season thus far. Find a cleaner strike. I, I dare you. In the 81st minute, the Torino comeback started. They introduced a few of their starters, and after no shortage of trying, Richie finally managed to get a goal against his former team. Miranchuk's cross was controlled by Shores and finished off by Richie, with Vicario almost managing to keep it out 2-1. In the 85th minute, Sanabria, who had come on, managed to curl the ball into the bottom corner from just outside the area as he was given a second of space. The Spaniard can be quite lethal. In the 89th minute, Torino thought they had completed the most dramatic of comebacks after Miranchuk's half-volley hit the post. It would have been another sensational goal. What a game, brother. What a game. What yeah. a game. One could say that this was a direct clash for Europe, bro, as Torino are currently 8th with 26 points and... The Tuscana are only one point away. Yes, yeah. And, and, you know, you look at how long a season is and it's moments like this that could define the story of certain teams. Like, it would obviously be, you know, premature to to say that these teams are fighting for Europe with it being so early on in the mm -hmm. season. But had Empoli, for example, gotten a victory over here and then got a good run of form to them, which they're currently on, it could be a totally different story, man. The squad's yeah. mentality would be totally different. Do you think it was foolish of Torino to rest players for the Coppa Italia? I mean, yes, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean... We saw the damage they did when they brought on their starters. Exactly, exactly. And they got two goals in quick succession over there. That wasn't a coincidence, guys. It wasn't just a shift in... Uh, form it wasn't just a shift in momentum they did introduce players that they would normally start the real game changers that they normally have available 
But it just goes to show, you know, maybe Torino aren't really aspiring for Europe. Maybe they want to progress in the Coppa. Maybe they want some silverware. They know they're not going to get relegated. It's very unlikely that they do get relegated. So, yeah, it just just shows you what the team's prioritizing right now. Totally, bro. So, Torino brought in Illich. Yeah. But one player who made the difference... This game was Lukic off the bench. He came yes. on and he played amazingly, but unfortunately he's been sold to Fulham. Exactly. exactly. So um, we won't be seeing him anymore. Another good little player that leaves the league. Um, I'm going to miss Sasha Lukic, man. Same. I'm really going to miss him. I wish him, I wish him the best of luck. Yeah, same. In his endeavours with Fulham. <laughs> But yes, um, Empoli continue to play their attractive brand of football that Zanetti promotes. Um, as I always say, we saw glimpses of this with Venezia with the worst team, but now that he actually has a, a decent team to, to manage, he, he's doing way better and his brand is really coming off. Um, Torino, on the other hand, continue to be pretty hit and miss, um, perhaps a little bit naive over here resting players. I think they could have taken all three points had they approached this game with their starters. Um, I don't particularly like Baye out wide, I don't think no. he's ready to be starting. Sek is playing out of position up front, I think starting Sanabria would have been the way to go, of course. But um, whatever, they probably thought they could get the job done. Yeah, um, that, that's another point. Maybe they're not prioritizing the Coppa. Maybe it's just a lack of respect they had for their opponents over there as well. Huh? But it's very unlike a manager like Juric to underestimate a side. He's one of those coaches that over-prepares yeah. for every single fixture. Yeah, but in this case, it was not the case. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you look at the stats, Torino had 54% of ball possession as each team had four shots on target apiece. It was a very balanced game. Um, a story of two halves, Empoli dominating the first one, Torino um, coming back with their starters in the second. That is what sums up the game perfectly. Torino are in eighth with 27 points, Empoli are in tenth with 26 points. The next game we're going to be covering and the final game we're going to be covering is Lecce 1, Salernitana 2. Relegation battle. Falcone in goal for Lecce as they start in their 4-3-3 formation with Petzel out on the left, jean Dre out on the right and Umtiti and Baskerotta forming that formidable back two. Male, Hulmund and Blin in the midfield with Strefezza out on the left, Udin out on the right and Colombo up front. For Salernitana it was also a 4-3-3 formation with Ochoa and goal and the backline of Sambia, Trustekong, Bron and Bradaric. It was Koulibaly, Bohinen and Vilena that formed their midfield three with Kandreva out on the right, Dia out on the left and Piontek up front. In the fourth minute, Dia half volleyed the ball cleanly into the bottom corner from outside the area after a defensive header by Petzella. It was an absolutely fantastic strike by Dia. It was in, in contention for our goal of the week mm-hmm. as well, especially since it happened quite early on during the weekend. We're like, okay, that's, that's our goal, goal of the week, week. sorted. Little, little did we know, know. <laughs> literally. <laughs> Sambia forced Falcone into a good save after going for goal from a free kick from some serious distance. A wall wasn't even set up. It reminded me of that goal Chalanoglu had scored in Germany. Oh, yeah. um, similar hit as well, just didn't get that bob to it. And it, and it wasn't Fal- as far up. Exactly, and Falcone managed to save it. In the 19th minute, Villena made it two for Salernitana. Lecce were dispossessed in their own half and Umtiti would be disappointed after failing to deal with Diaz through ball as it fell to Villena who finished well. A rare error you would see by Umtiti over there as, to be honest, 
he should have intercepted that. However, it was only four minutes later that Strefezza managed to pull one back. Somehow, he managed to control Petzella's hard-driven ball and dive into a finish inside the area, making it 2-1. In the 32nd minute, just nine minutes later, Sambia cleared the ball off the line to deny Hulmund. The first half was very exciting. Second half, not so much. And the game ends 2-1 to Salernitana, giving Davide Nicola a victory upon his return. Bro, Salernitana were amazing with this game. They, they really, they really were, man. Dealt an early double blow, just like an experienced Serie side. They managed to hold on to it until the end. Um, particularly, I thought that Salernitana dropping deep to cover the wings after the 2-0 was an amazing idea. They managed to shut out Banda and Strefezza using their midfielders yeah. to double mark them. That left lots of space for Lecce's midfield to do some damage. But that's when Christoph Piontek comes in, bro. What a masterful defensive shift this guy put in. What a mature display. He was all over those creative midfielders, man. And, and the, these are the sorts of performances that go under the radar, you know. Yeah. Piontek hasn't been scoring. Uh, Piontek, oh, he's, he's playing with Salernitana. He's putting in these massive displays and just, you know, that won them the game yeah. over here. Salernitana nowadays do have some big names in their team. When I say mm. big names, I mean Piontek, familiar faces. Dia, Ochoa, yeah. some familiar faces, yeah. exactly. Kandreva. But they're not a team of individuals. They are a team. And this is what saved them from relegation last year. It's what Davide Nicola promoted. And it's what they still have because of Davide mm. Nicola and, and, the, and the team he's, he's created over here. That's it. Yeah, That's it. That's Salernitana for you. They're they've a club. Moved, they've moved away. Davide Nicola has moved away from the 3-5-2 formation. He's yep. gone for a 4-3-3. Um, this 4-3-3 transforms to a 4-5-1 in the not in possession phase. Dia has been playing on the wing. He's been playing amazingly. Truste Kong has come in and he's playing like he's been there for for ages, quite frankly. And yes, Salernitana can be proud of this display. They can hold their heads up high. Davide Nicola is back, baby. Yes, he is. And Salernitana quite safe right now. They actually jumped Lecce because of this game. So Salernitana now in 14th on 21 points, Lecce in 15th on 20 points. Both of them are still seven and eight points clear of Verona in the relegation and they have Sassuolo and Spezia behind them, whose Spezia situation is far more dire than both these teams. Um, especially when you see that Salernitana two seasons ago were in Serie B, Lecce were in Serie B last year. And we had the debate a couple of years ago, bro of teams coming up to Serie A and just going back down instantly. Mm -hmm. And Bintoff, I remember, had asked us a question. He had asked us, what can the Serie A do to avoid this, to promote teams coming up from Serie B doing better? Should they be given funds to do better? So on and so forth. Should less teams get relegated? Should less teams get promoted? But wow, over the past two seasons, we've really seen newly promoted teams Putting in a projects. Shift, we've projects. seen projects coming up and we've seen those not willing to invest get punished. We've seen the likes of Genoa and Sampdoria struggle. We've seen the likes of Verona struggle. Justice. Cagliari and Parma. Cagliari and Parma are two Genoa. Yes. It's true, yeah. I mean, it's it's good to see, to be honest. Um, you are rewarded for your positivity. You are punished for your negativity. Exactly. We forgot to mention... So wait, let's say yes. Okay, you mentioned where they are on the table, so we can move on to this point. We forgot to mention Zaniolo. Zaniolo, bro, <laughs> was trying to force himself out of Roma. 
by publicly stating that he wants to leave. Yes, a very um, dangerous yes. game when Mourinho's your man. There were the likes of Tottenham that seemed to be interested. There was uh, Milan who were very interested. Burnmouth. Burnmouth put in an offer of 30 million and Roma were just like, you know what? If no one matches that offer, you're not going anywhere. Milan yeah. put in an offer, I believe, of like 23 million rejected by Roma. Now. Be- because um, Zaniola didn't want to join Burnmouth. Roma were ready to let him go to go to Burnmouth. He's like, no, I want to go to Milan. So Roma were just waiting for Milan to match the offer or for someone to match the offer. Yeah. So... After all this, Zaniolo changed his mind and he was like, you know what, actually, um, I'd rather not be frozen out of the squad for the rest of the season. Fine, I'll join Burnmouth, no problem. But then Burnmouth couldn't actually put in an offer because they had signed Hamad Traore, another gem leaving Serie from Sassuolo. Um, so Zaniolo is currently frozen out of the Roma squad and yeah, things aren't looking great for him. But the positive thing is that Mourinho is his manager and Mourinho is so the type to, you know, if he needs him, he'll just be like, ah, oh, my boy, you're back, you know, mm. come and, you know, let's get back to it. He's so the type to do that. Um, Zaniolo even moved out of Rome to live in, I believe, Correct me if I'm wrong. It might be something crazy. I'm saying to La Spezia. I don't know where Zaniolo's living. Well, he's he's living out of Rome because the fans were giving him too much of a hard ah, time. Ah, he was they threatened in his own home. Of course uh, yes, he did. I saw the news article. He was threatened in his own. Also, he's living in La Spezia. I don't know if it's La Spezia because I believe La Spezia is next to Cinque Terre, and that's quite is, far yes, from Rome. Yes. Okay, it, uh, I'm not sure. Well, guys, we just don't want to give away where Zaniola's living. Yes, we know, right? but, you know, we know, yes. like, like, we got you, Zani. We know you're going to be it's a Milan player next, next week. week. <laughs> <laughs> Bro. Cremonese have eliminated Roma from the Coppa Italia with a score of Scenes. 2-1. The Pelotti goal was not enough to cancel out the Charles Pickle. And who else scored? Charles Pickle. The, from uh, the penalty. From the Dessers, Dessers, okay. yeah, good, good win for Cremonese as they head to the semi-finals. Um, they'll face either Juve or Lazio. Yes, if Cremonese or Fiorentina win the Coppa Italia, sixth place goes to Conference League. Wow! Yeah. Wow. Sixth place goes to Conference League. Yes, because winning the Coppa Italia guarantees you Europa League qualification. Wow, okay. <laughs> Very exciting stuff, huh? Very yes. exciting stuff. But guys, it's been another great episode. Um, we always enjoy doing this. We always look forward to it every week, although although so much work goes into it. Send us a DM, close friends. And yes. we'll add you to our close friends so you can see a bit of behind the scenes, guys. We're looking forward to this. Exactly, exactly. And don't forget, guys, to follow us on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, at Seria Spotlight. Give us a nice little rating wherever you're listening. We love you all. We'll see you next week. Voice notes, guys, if you want to be featured. And if you have any questions, do feel free to send them over. Hot takes, too. We love a hot take. We love a good hot take. Thank you, guys. We love and respect you all. Have a good week and enjoy this weekend of Serie A.